that's our new series, Resilient. And one of the things we want you to know on this morning that in Christ Jesus, there's nothing you can't come through because you are indeed a child of God. Can we celebrate that reality that we are children of God? And you know how we often say it, this is the day the Lord has made, so we ought to rejoice and be and we have a reason to be glad. You know why? Because God cares for us and he blessed us to gather into this sacred space one more time to worship him and to learn from his holy word. I invite your attention to the 41st uh, chapter of Isaiah, where our message for the morning is coming from. You heard uh, Pastor George read from that passage beginning at verse 8, and that's where we're going to concentrate our attention between verse 8 and 13 as we see what God would have for us today in this second installment in our series, Resilient. I'm so grateful for our senior pastor, Pastor Jared, who was with us on last Sunday to begin us off in a great way uh, from God's word, reminding us that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. And today, God wants to remind us even further of what we have in our relationship with him. During this series, I want to uh, inform you that you're going to hear from several of our staff members who are so willing to share their testimony with us. Uh, we wanted you to hear from them, particularly because we think it's important for you to know uh, not only those who have the privilege, like myself, of serving you as a church family, but to help you realize, uh, if you don't know yet, you will know today, that, that even those who work for the church are real people. Did, did you know that? We're, we're real people. From, from the stage to those who are in service, listen, we're real people and we encounter challenges like everybody else, Chuck. We ha have certain struggles that we too go through that none of us are, are immune from the struggles that we find in living this, this human life. And so there are certain emotions that we're looking to tackle uh, in this series, and we are so grateful that we have uh, members who are willing to share their testimony with you. Secondly, not only do I want you to realize that the staff here are indeed real people, but hopefully you're able to see yourself uh, in their story and better relate to see how God is able to transform some of the obstacles that we have in living this life into opportunities that we are able to see the power of God on display in the people of God. So on this morning, I invite you to meet Michelle Barr. Michelle serves as our child care coordinator at a Champions Camp campus, and uh, she's a dear friend of, of my family, and I want you to hear a little bit of her story. So would you turn your attention uh, to the screen once more as Michelle helps us as we encounter God's Word. Fear has basically been a part of my life as long as I can remember. As a child growing up, a lot of fear. My Mom and dad, it wasn't necessarily they didn't make good money. My mom chose to gamble the money away. So growing up, there was a lot of fear of, will I sleep in a bed tonight? Are we gonna sleep in a car? Will we have electricity? Are we gonna have food? When I was younger, I really just thought it was normal. I thought it was normal to every 30 days, pack everything up and move to a different home. Because I changed friends a lot, I didn't stay steady in one place to understand that that wasn't normal. So as I got older and I began to realize, okay, my friends stay in the same house. And that's when I really started hiding things and not really talking about it and holding it in. 
and um, it was very taxing. It was very, I just remember constantly being in fear and worry and just wondering what was going to happen. What happened if they came and took my mom away? What happened if they came and took my dad away? In my child mind, I was thinking it was me. It was my fault. She didn't love me. I would try and do things better. I would try and have the house clean or I would try and do really good in school to make her proud and to not want to spend the money and not be able to pay the bills. Even though as a child, I didn't understand the entirety of it all. Um, as I started getting older and through high school, I realized that they were choices and, but I still questioned, you know, does she love me? Because if she loved me, why on earth would she let this happen? And so it was very confusing and very scary. I got to a place where the only thing that I knew was fear. I'm so grateful that Michelle was willing to share that testimony with us. Begs the question, as a believer, what do you do when all you see is what you're face to face with, and that's, that's fear? I, along with, with, with the case, we, we were able to hear Michelle's testimony when together we, we journeyed, uh, oftentimes in mission trips, and I remember... Um, Michelle sharing that testimony uh, with some, some kids as we were in Nairobi, Kenya, and we were uh, doing some work in the Kibera slums is when I first heard uh, Michelle in that trip share her story with young people who had lived on the streets and they're uh, living in the second largest slums in the world there in Kenya, particularly in Kibera. Uh, and how day-to-day -day they were faced with the ongoing uh, threat of whether or not they were going to live to the next day. They were always seeking, um, suffering from food deprivation, suffering from, from abuse um, from authorities, suffering from the threat of their lives daily as they had to live on the streets, firsthand knowing the injustices. And Michelle shared her story there, and I knew that you would be blessed to hear uh, the reality and the transparency of some of the struggles that we live in our day-to-day -day lives. The truth is that your, your set of fears may not be uh, the same as Michelle's story, but all of us know a little something about fear. In fact, the truth is, is that when you look um, at life, you don't have to look across the ocean to find just how difficult life can be, just how tragic uh, we, the society we live in. I mean, all you got to do is turn on the television or, or watch the news or, or live in America to realize that, that we're in a time that if you are not careful, you can be succumbed, you can suffocate by fear. I mean, when you see the unrest and the inhumanity that is always pervasive um, throughout our society, when you consider just how murderous our society is, and we live in a time where nowhere seems safe, that you've seen how mass shootings have taken place and, and police shootings have taken place, and people are not safe going to the grocery store, or people are not even safe in their own uh, worship centers, that people are not safe in their own communities, that every day, if you live, not, I'm not talking about across the world. If you live in America, you can see reasons how you can become uh, paralyzed by fear. Am I talking to real people? 
Uh, even at home, as you are, are, are surfing through channels, there's always something that is showing us uh, just how difficult and how really just how sinful humanity is. I mean, let's be honest about it. When you see the media portrayal, um, not just portrayal, but recording of incidences where, where police are, are, are taking lives and you see uh, police who are, are their lives being threatened and they can be very careful and second guess themselves in a moment's notice and determining whether or not they are making the right move. Because at any moment, it could be on the media, at any moment, their livelihood can be taken or their lives can be taken always in a constant state of fear. Trauma, from one trauma to the next, a diagnosis here, a phone call there. There's always something that can create fear to exist in our lives. Now, I know, I know I'm not by myself, but the truth is believers encounter moments that create fear. Believers do. And there are times when our fear is based in reality, and there are times when our fear is based in our imagination. Corey, if we're honest about it, all of us have uh, been face-to-face with, with fear. Uh, the, those in the Bible... Um, who we're going to see here in the nation of Israel, but even before them, all through the landscape of God's word, you see individuals who encountered fear. You ever look at Abraham's life, then you understand in Genesis that as he is trying to follow God and to the uncertainty of his life, that he was met with fear and it caused him to be irrational to the degree that, that he would put his wife in danger. His son Isaac must have learned from his dad because Anthony, he does the same thing to his wife and, and David. David uh, is wrestling with fear in Psalm 56. Uh, even, even Mary, if we hop over to the New Testament, as she's understanding the purpose God has for her, the angel has to tell her to fear not. If you read the disciples' journey, they're on the boat with Jesus. Jesus is on the boat with them, Greg, and they still find themselves in fear. Don't think you're by yourself in experiencing fear. No, it's got all through the Word of God. But along with what we see through the Word of God is also the command that we see in verse 10 of that 41st chapter that says, fear not. I hope you understand that. If you are a Bible reader, then, Brianna, you will come to know that the most repeated command throughout the Scripture, among the most repeated commands throughout the Scripture, is the command we see in verse 10 that says, fear not. Not. In fact, help me just for a moment. Um, speak through your mask to somebody who might hear you. Just tell them, just tell them, fear not. That, that, you didn't say it like you, you almost said it like you were fearful. Hold on now. We're, we're talking that we ought not be fearful. Here, God's word is a constant reminder to the believer that with God, we are able to contend with, to conquer, to overcome our fears. Shannon, he says, Fear not. Depending on your English translation, Don, you can count at least up to 365 times in the Word of God. It says, fear not. I, I like the way Lowell Ogrevie in his work, um, Facing the Future Without Fear, he says that it is in God's Word 166 times, which means then that God has given us enough fear nots for every day in the year, including leap year. 
That, that every day with God, we are able to contend with and conquer fear. Because the truth is, God can help us. God is able to help you to not only face your fear, but overcome your fear so that your fear doesn't overcome you. This is the context of our text because uh, the nation of Israel are surrounded um, as due, due to their own sinfulness. They are in exile and they're surrounded by enemy nations and there's an, an oppressive regime that is, is coming forth and they're looking out in the distance of uncertainty and they're gripped with fear, unknowing whether or not God will hear them, whether or not God will rescue you, them. They're in uncertainty and oftentimes the greatest fear that we face in our lives is just that, the fear of uncertainty. When you live in that land of what if and not knowing what's going to come around the corner, uncertainty, whether or not um, we'll make it through what we're going through, uncertainty. Anybody besides me ever faced it before, uh, ever had to live through a time, a season, a year, a challenge, a chapter of uncertainty? Anybody in here? That's been your story. You can tell the truth in here because others need to know that they're not by themselves in this experience. That even in the church, we can struggle with the fear of uncertainty. Listen, if you're taking notes, I want to encourage you that even when you're facing times of uncertainty, I want to encourage you to know what you're certain about. Mm, I hope, hope you understand this. Uh, Wanda, I, I, need, I need to get everybody for a moment. Everybody, after you write that down, I need to get everybody's attention. Um, I, I want you to imagine with me, to imagine with me that, that, that you are in a room. Now, this room you're familiar with. Those who are listening online, just, just imagine with me. You're, you're not in uh, the, the comfortable environment of your home. You're not in the comfortable environment of the worship. No, no, you're in, you're in a different room, Juan. You're in, in a room where a majority of the people around you, you don't know. Are, are you there yet? I want you to imagine it now. You're, Gayla, you're, you're in a room and you're surrounded by people that you don't know. You don't know their intentions. You don't know what they're capable of. You, you don't know anything about them. All you know is that here you are in the center of a room surrounded by people who are really strangers to you. And then the lights go off. You reach for your phone, but you're unable to use your phone. Are you there yet? What do you do? You sit down and you enjoy the movie. <laughs> because there in that scene is a large screen and all the attention focuses on the, the movie screen. And it brings everything in perspective because now you're not concerned with who's around you. You're concerned with the biggest thing in the room that's before you and that's being projected on the screen. Come here, saints of God. On this Sunday morning, the biggest thing in the room is not what you're going through. It's not the challenges that you're faced with. No, the biggest one in the room is God himself, almighty God. And whenever you find yourself faced with trouble, you ought to focus your attention on the biggest one in the room, and that is God. Saints of God, this is what God does to the prophet Isaiah as he speaks to the people of God, as they themselves are, are facing uncertainty. He speaks to them, and I really want you to hear again how he speaks to the prophet Isaiah, to his children, to the people of God. Look at verse 8. 
Look at what he says. He says, uh, though the nations are being surrounded, though, though trouble is, is on the horizon, in verse 8, he turns his attention to his children. Though they're in exile because of their sinfulness, he turns to his children and he tells them, but you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend, you whom I took from the ends of the earth and called from the farthest corners, saying to you, you are my servant. I have chosen you and I have not cast you off. Fear not, for I am with you. I hope you see it, saints of God. That in the opening verse of the eighth chapter, what God reminds his people then and what he reminds you and I today is that God is a personal God. Look at the language again. He says, Israel, you are my servant. Jacob, I have chosen you. Hear me, saints of God, that God is not just a transcendent God above all, through all, but God is a personal God. And what he reminds the children of Israel in a season where they're surrounded by uncertainty, not knowing what's going to happen, he reminds them of who they belong to. I hope you're in here for a moment, just for a moment, to understand that when you know God is because God first wanted you to know him. He reveals himself to you because he wants you to know that he wants you in relationship with him because you, saints of God, when you come to God through Jesus Christ, have the assurance that this personal God says, you are mine. You are my child. We just sung it, but he wants us to live it. We, 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 said, we, we celebrate it, but he wants us to know it because when you know, Lee, that you're a child of God, it changes how you view your future with God. Jason, you, you know it. He, he tells them that you're mine. And look at who he lists as he reminds them, the nation of Israel, that they belong to him. Uh, notice how he lists Jacob. And if you know anything about Jacob, you know that Jacob was not perfect. If you know anything about Jacob, Jacob lived in fear from his past as he was running from his brother Esau. And yet look at God in the text as he is a covenantal God who rem remembers his promises toward men. He tells them, listen, I chose you, not because of you, but in spite of you, I chose you. I'm looking for some real people right now because you need to be reminded that God didn't choose you because of all that he knows about you. God chose you because of his love for you. Oh, he chose us because he's a, a personal God. Uh, you, you, you ever heard the term uh, mama bear before? Uh, she's, a, she's a mama bear. Uh, okay, if you need an example, let me check for a moment. Any mama bears? In, in, in the house, yeah, yeah, that, that is. I see some kids saying, "Look over here, uh, uh, yeah. mom bears." You know, you know, the, the, the kind, the kind of, of of parental uh, influence that says, "No matter what happens to anybody else, if that's my child, I'm gonna do all I can to take care of my child." Why? Because they're my child. Come here, I'm just trying to help you understand something, that when you come to know God, when you come to a knowledge of who God is, when you realize all that God has done and is doing, that God who created all comes in the scene and setting of your life, and he reminds you that no matter what you go through, you, when it's all said and done, you belong to him. It changes how you view life, and you can look at fearful circumstances with faith to know that, you know what, no matter what I see, COVID or whatever reality, no matter what I go through, if I belong to God, God is going through it with me. 
correct, he, he reminds them. He reminds them that they, he is a personal God. But not only do you see the personal language, I have chosen you, and Abraham is my friend, you also see that God not only being personal, but God is a powerful God. Con- continue on in the text. For now, as he says that, that I'll, I'll call you and I've chosen you and I have not cast you off. Look at verse 10. He says, this is a command, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Do you see it? You ought to highlight it, circle it, indicate it, put it on the screen uh, saver of your phone that you might remember this truth. Because in this 10th verse, we have two commandments and five commitments. I love the text, Esme, because what it tells us is that whatever God commands us to do, to believe, to know, he backs it up with his own commitment. I'm in the text. He says, command number one, do not fear. Do not become paralyzed by that which is pressuring you. Do not fear. Do not allow the uncertainty or your imagination of what the worst that can happen cripple you from moving forward into what God has for you. He says, do not fear. Don't allow the false evidence that appears real in your life to dictate your life. Do not fear. Fear. Do not allow the circumstances of life to be so challenging that you see your circumstance greater than you see your God. He says, do not fear and do not be dismayed. Here it is, Wanda. It means don't allow outward circumstances to be so pervasive in your life that it changes the disposition of your life. That when people see you, they ought to see your faith over your fear. I'm working here for a moment. I just want you to see that for a moment because when you work with faith instead of fear, it changes how you see and how you are seen. That people, when they see you, Anthony, wonder how will you keep on going with all the stuff that's happening, with all the injustices that are happening in the world, with all the trouble and everything we see. How is it that that you can keep on going with all the personal problems that you have? How can you keep on going? You could tell them, I go because of the faith I have in a personal God who's able to not only personally be with me, but he has the power to keep me. Uh, He's a powerful God. I really want you to see it when you see the command because he says, look at it. He says, do not fear. Do not be dismayed. But then look at his power. He says, because I, it's right there, verse 10, I am with you. That's commitment number one. Commitment number two, I am your God. Commitment number three, I will strengthen you. Commitment number four, I will help you. Commitment number five, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Notice who's doing the work in the midst of the trouble. It is God who says you don't have to fear because the work don't rely on you. You don't have to fear because you don't have to carve the way out. You don't have to fear. I'm the one who is doing it. God says, I'm the one who's been keeping you. I'm the one who's been providing for you. I'm the one who's been making a way for you. And listen, saints of God, he's not just talking to the children of Israel then. He's talking to us right now. Because some of us, if we told the truth, if we look back over our life, we can see the hand of God throughout our lives. And when you say, how did I make it through that year? And how did I make it through that trouble? How did I make it through that divorce? And how did I make it through that diagnosis? You're able to look and say, it's because it was God, the I am that I am, that's been keeping me. God says, it is I who's your God. Ah, when you, when you understand 
this omnipotent God who creates all there is in creation that we're introduced to him in Genesis and in Revelation in Genesis, we're introduced to him as the creator of all, heaven and earth. He creates everything. And in Revelation, we see him still on the throne. That means from the Genesis of your life to the revelation of your life, guess what? God is still able to create and recreate and he's still on the throne. And when you realize he has that kind of power, it doesn't matter what you go through. Your personal God has the ability to go through it with you with his power. I hear David tapping me right now. David, you know David, um, that, that psalm that we love to read, that part when David say, even though, I like King James, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because thou art, thou art with me. Ah, he is a powerful God. He tells the children of Israel to remember. When he says, I, I've brought you from the four corners of the earth, he's calling them to remember not only his creative power, but the power by might that he got them out of Egyptian captivity, that they were not able to get themselves out, but God in his power got them out. That God, through Moses' his servant, went there with a message to Pharaoh to let my people go. And when Egyptian uh, Pharaoh and, and his army was trying to be resistant to the move of God, you saw the power of God on display that got them out of where they couldn't get themselves in. And when they found themselves at the edge of a Red Sea trying to figure out how they were going to get it, it was the power of God that opened up the Red Sea that they could walk on dry ground to get where God wanted them to be. Come in, saints of God. I don't know what you've been going through on this Sunday. I don't know what's happening in your life. But what I do know that God's power has always been on display. And the same power that got you from yesterday is the same power that keeps you today. Is the same power that will be with you tomorrow when you place your trust and faith in Him. Do you know anything about his power. Oh, Lee, we just sing it. His power, wonder-working power, not only the power to transform your scenario, but he has the power to change your life. Ah, he, he says, I'm the one who is doing it. I'm the one who will hold you. I'm the one who will keep you. He is that kind of God. So matter what you're faced with, particularly when you feel yourself being gripped by fear, I want to encourage you to grip the promise of God. In fact, next time you tell somebody, get a grip, and they ask you, what you want me to grip on? You'll tell them, get a grip on the promise of God. Here it is that you're not in this thing with you. Yeah, It's okay. It's Christian. Go ahead and tell them, Kevin, when you go to work tomorrow. Tell them when they say, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how I'm going to do this. You just tell them, get a grip. And they're looking, what, what am I gripping on? You can grip on the promises of God. My life verse, Proverbs 3, uh, 5 through 7, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. And he shall, I'm just saying, get a grip on the promise of God. He, he, he says, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you, says the Lord. Get a grip on the promises of God. He says, no weapon that is formed against you shall be able to prosper, no matter what you're faced with. Get a grip on the promise of God. He says, nothing shall separate you from the love of God. Get a grip on the promises of God. So when you realize who you are gripping on to, you know he's gripping on to you and who is in God's hand, the devil in hell cannot cast out. I'm just trying to tell you. Get a grip on his promises because he's a personal God. Not only is he a personal God, but he's a, he's a powerful God. Not only he's a powerful God, but he's a, he's a protective God. He's a God who protects. Many of you uh, may know that before uh, surrendering to this call to ministry, 
I had the blessed privilege of serving the, the city of Kenner in law enforcement, and, and I, I can remember some times in that, those scenes where, where, where it seemed like my life was really in danger. I, 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 I understand um, the pressures of the assignment. I also understand the pressures of being a minority uh, in an unjust community uh, where, where oftentimes you're preyed on. I understand both tensions, but I, I remember as I reflect back of how God is able to protect. I, I want to forget this. It was like it was yesterday because there I was, Dr. Al. Um, I was in a scene inside the station where, where I came face to face with a snub nose 357. Now, uh, for those of you who don't know this, it's okay. But anyway, um, there I was. And I was ill-equipped one to match the threat with the threat. Face to face, Shannon. Uh, I knew God. And honestly, in that moment, I thought I was about to meet him. <laughs> I was face to face. To say that I was not fearful would be lying because, yes, indeed, I, I was fearful in that moment. Fear gripped me. But also in that moment, Don, I remembered my training. And because I've been trained, I was able to disarm the assailant, and both of us lived through that incident. I want to help you understand something, that it was because of the training. Come here, saints of God, that you serve a God who's a protective God, that when you look at his resume, that's just training for you to learn how to trust him. When you look back and say, how is it that I was protected over this and protected through that, it's so that you could look back and say, you know what? God was just training me to trust him so that now, no matter what I'm faced with, I still am able to trust him Here's the question. No matter what you're facing, will you trust him? No matter what you're going through, will you trust him? Because in the face of fear, he wants to grow us in our faith to that he's the personal God. To know that he's the kind of God who is powerful and he's the God who will protect you. Why? Because he's the God who's present. He said, I will hold you with my righteous right hand. God is present and you can access him today. You can access him today when you give your life and your faith to him. He can transform fearfulness into fearlessness when you place your faith in him. In fact, let's hear the rest of Michelle's story as she dealt with fear. My mom got real sick back in 2000 and was in a coma for about six weeks. The doctor said she had about a 2% chance to make it. And an agonizing fear took over that my mom was gonna die and we'd never have any kind of restoration or reconciliation in our relationship. And I really longed for that. My mom did get better and she came home and she lived with our family. As she got better, they started kind of changing her medications and we entered into a season where she had a reaction to some of the meds that she was on and was basically in the middle of a mental crisis. Um, she was hallucinating. There were a lot of outbursts and anger, things that we didn't quite understand. And at that point, I had to ask my mom to move out and I feared we would never have a relationship again after that. And then several years ago, um, my mom was blessed with the gift of cancer. We viewed it as a gift because had my mom never been diagnosed with cancer, 
I don't think we would have ever seen God work in us in that restoration and reconciliation. There were times where I was carrying the cross and she was behind me going, you can do it, come on. You can take care of me. And there were times where I was the one at the base of the cross and she was carrying it. And I was saying, you can do it, mom, you can do it. And as we switched places and we ran those spiritual laps, everything just began to fall and crumble. And that's where we were able to see God at work and just everything fall into place. There wasn't fear, there was love, there was faith, there was hope. He took a child and a woman that only knew fear and he turned me into a fearless woman of God. I invite our praise team to come up and as you stand all over the building I want to encourage you as you look to God to know that he is the God who can transform fearful situations into platforms of his amazing grace and mercy and you can know that personally in your own life you can know the power of God you can feel the presence of God you can receive the peace of God when you come to him for everyone who comes to Christ Jesus and declare their faith in God using him to transform our sinfulness into the gift of salvation when you come to Christ Jesus you will know God and God and the Spirit of God will come in your life, release you from your fears, so that you will know that in Him is life and life abundantly. And that's our prayer partners to come as we sing over you. We're here to pray for you. We're here to pray with you that this will be a day where you will release any fears, that you will take on faith and you will see the love of God realized in your life. No matter what you're facing, no that fear may be, no matter what that struggle is, I invite you to come. We want to pray with you that you might have an experience with him as you know that he's here for you. Thank you for joining us online. We hope today's experience encouraged and challenged you. At Champion Forest, we are passionate about all kinds of people coming to know God, to grow in their relationship with him and others, and then to go out and make a difference in the world. We would love the opportunity to talk and pray with you. To connect with us, just go to championforce.org connect. And hey, of course, we can't wait to welcome you on campus, in person, on one of our locations. We'll see you soon.